so when we realized that um, many organizations were offering professional development um, opportunities and events, but there, but the barrier for us was childcare. We came up with our own events that offered parallel children's activities. I'm very appreciative to have as my guest today, Christine Carino. Christine is the founder of Empower.mom, champion for moms returning to work, community advocate and organizer, president and board member of the Society for Canadian Women in Science and Technology, dentist and ambassador for women in STEM and immigrant networks. Christine was recently featured in Canadian Immigrant as one of four immigrant women of inspiration for pushing boundaries in science and technology. Our conversation today focuses on Christine's work and advocacy for moms who are returning back to paid work. And we also talk about her work regarding women in STEM. Welcome to the show, Christine. Thanks, Karen, for inviting me. I'm so excited and just such a pleasure to finally be on your podcast. Thank you. Yes, it's so nice to have you here. And now I would love for our listeners to learn a little bit more. Where are you calling in from? And do you have a particular food or site in your area of the world? Yes, I'm joining everyone from Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. From my living room, from my home, I see the beautiful um, scenic mountains of the North Shore. Uh, and I can we can see at the, uh, one of the mountains actually is a ski resort. Um, a lot of snow there during winter, Grouse Mountain. Yeah, and um, because Vancouver is very multicultural, there's a lot of food that we go for. Number one is sushi from Japanese restaurants. We have our current favorite though right now are Indian, Afghani, um, South Asian and Turkish uh, cuisine. But of course, because I come from the Philippines, I would also say Filipino food is great around here. Thank you so much. That sounds so delicious. <laughs> so now, Christine, you are the founder of Empower.mom and a champion for moms returning to paid work. Could you share with our listeners more details and why you found it? Empower.mom was an idea that was brought about by realizing that many women who have children in Canada, and especially in my uh, local neighborhood, were actually having difficulty finding jobs, much more establishing careers after taking time uh, raising their children. And I personally uh, experienced that not only once, but twice. And I also find, found out that I was not the only person who had multiple attempts at relaunching careers. So um, when I realized at a employment program at YWCA that many professionals in my cohort were mothers going back to work, I thought, okay, uh, and this women, including me, have lost self-confidence, have um, 
these skills, lost those skills that we had prior to um, staying home full time, I thought, okay, what can be done? And so we got together, we brainstormed and came up with uh, little solutions that would help our little group move forward and empower.mom was born. So um, one simple solution was actually um, finding events, professional development events that were children friendly, meaning to say, and there were no events that we could find, um, you know, like if you're a mother trying to get out and um, number one issue would still be childcare because um, yes, the husbands are there, but you know how patriarchal many systems are still, childcare is still the mother's uh, responsibility. Um, so when we realized that um, many organizations were offering professional development um, opportunities and events, but there, but the barrier for us was childcare. We came up with our own events that offered parallel children's activities. And it was actually very interesting because our first event was on discovering the careers in um, AVR and VR, augmented virtual reality and virtual reality. Yes, uh, because at that time around 2017, um, AVR and VR was coming into um, the consciousness of um, many people in, in Vancouver tech industry, especially those who were looking for work. And the most interesting thing during that event that we, uh, a child-friendly event that we organized is the husband's came. <laughs> The grandparents came and we thought, okay, great. We are not just then um, bringing this women, um, like um, the awareness to the issues that this women faced, but creating a supportive network through their families by bringing in their families as well. Uh, we, because our uh, small group, of course, had children. So in around 2018 and 2019, we went on a hiatus. Um, two of the co-founders um, had children, <laughs> now all of us have a total of three, but um, in this year, 2022, we are relaunching um, and becoming more intentional uh, with what uh, our program programming would, would look like. But uh, basically, our mission is to build a thriving community of a network of support for mothers returning to work. That's just wonderful. And it's, you know, I feel it is so critical for anybody who is going back to paid work or trying to, to have a support network. Because often I feel, you know, there is a loneliness that somebody might think, well, maybe I'm the only person. And having a support system, what you just described with empower.mom, I think is excellent. So Super appreciative to hear that. And, um, you know, one of the things you just mentioned is about the skills. Sometimes I feel, and it might be also because of the way society describes, you know, somebody who might be a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home parent or caregiver, that it is perceived to be a break. But in reality, I strongly believe there are so many transferable skills for business, soft skills that can be learned. So I'd love to hear, you know, could you describe maybe some of the skills you have learned during that period of time? 
I totally agree, Karen. Um, staying home as a full-time mom is not really a break. In fact, it's a lot of work. And uh, yes, we uh, gain more skills as well. For me, it was about refining my people's skills. Previously, uh, when I was just a working professional, no uh, home responsibilities, no childcare, no, not being a mother, I was very goal-oriented, deliverable-oriented. Okay, this is the product that we have to deliver. This is the service then. We push through the goal. But having kids uh, sort of um, refined my people's skills. Now I am more focused on ensuring having safe spaces for the people I work with and uh, focusing on their strengths, um, being more encouraging, um, being more um, like more mentoring than being the boss do this, do that, do this. Because as you know, in the, in the family with kids, it doesn't, I learned it doesn't work that way. You have, we learn to be more diplomatic. We learned to emphasize the good, the strengths, so that uh, we want our children to um, grow, be able to um, fulfill their potential. And if we cut them down with criticism, then we're the, they don't, right? So it's the same. Um, it's the same way at the workplace. The more encouraging we are, the more we focus on strength. The more um, we build people to be leaders, uh, to be the best that they can, the organization will thrive. And in the same way, so those lessons I've learned from my career break, which is not a break. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with you. Thank you so much for sharing, Christine. And I know you have done an amazing amount of work through volunteering besides your care work. You've done a lot of work with the Society for Canadian Women in Science and Technology. And so I'm curious, could you share with our listeners what transferable skills you have brought to this position and what skills you've learned doing this um, work that you feel has really helped in your professional work? So as a young girl back in the Philippines, I had to help with the family business. Our family business was um, flowers. We had a flower shop and I had to learn to make sales, like effective sales and make sure that our customers were satisfied. So also as a, as a dentist, I had to ensure that my patients Uh, were satisfied as well with the care that I was giving them. And then as a community-based researcher who had to recruit participants for research, I had to ensure that I was building rapport, very good rapport with the people I was working with and bringing in to, uh, as participants to the research. So I brought to Squist the skill of building relationships. And um, this has been successful by... Um, By recent, like last year, uh, when I was the director for membership, our membership skyrocketed 77%. And I would credit that to my being acutely aware of uh, ensuring that we listen to our members, to their feedback, and then bring that feedback in creating a more robust uh, programming that would um that would satisfy their needs and that would keep them coming back. So uh, yes, if I if there's one skill that I brought into Squiz, it would be that ability to build relationships. 
And if the question is, and the next, and to the half, half, and the answer to half of your question about uh, what skill, transferable skill, have I um, gotten from Squist? I would say it would be uh, leadership. I've been a leader back in the Philippines as well, but uh, at Squist, it was a realization that um, we don't, as a leader, we don't focus on growing our followers, but we focus on growing more leaders. An organization can only be good. It can only be sustainable, can only uh, develop further if there's a great leadership succession strategy. And if that leadership stops within us, the organization dies. But if we focus on making sure that uh, you know, members are given opportunities for leadership roles and we coach, we mentor, we champion them. It's not just even uh, mentoring them, but making sure that they are brought in and supported with at the table. Then I think that is the definition of excellent, of extraordinary leadership. And um, so that is my rea rea realization at, uh, at the table, at Squiz, at the leadership table. And I have brought that to my, to my work, to my paid work. So in a recent uh, role, for example, I ensured that um, the people who were working with me uh, because of the pandemic, I had to make sure that they were mentally, you know, they had, um, were able to cope. And um, had access to mental health support. And um, yeah, and I also have been instrumental in making them aware of opportunities for advancement in their in the current job within the organization and as well as outside. And um, yeah, and it is so great when somebody comes back to me, um, actually, even in the recent role saying, thank you. I am um, considering applying for this managerial role because you have let me know that I can actually do it. And that fulfills me. Ah, thank you so much for sharing this. And you know, it's like what you said to me, it's really, it's like as a manager, the role is really empowering somebody working for you so that one day they might be able to do your role. And you know, now we are looking at the great resignation in North America due to the pandemic. And so what would you have as an advice for employers based on what you just mentioned, you know, talking about mental health, talking about your experience, you know, leading other people? What would you tell them? Yes, um, I think this is a great opportunity for employers to unwrap the box where they have placed the employee, you know, remove that, open that box, remove that employee from the box and find out the other facets, the other skills, the other, like what the employee is capable of doing beyond, you know, the four uh, sides of the box that you've, that, that you've um, put that employee in. Uh, that's one, uh, because um, I think Many employees now are also looking towards uh, opportunities elsewhere where they could have better career progression, right? Better pay. And so, and um, flex, let's even talk about flexible uh, work hours. 
And um, if employers could just get that employee out of the box and um, explore what they can further do, what their potential is, I think they can come up with better offers for the employees to stay on. You are absolutely right. I feel in order to um, ensure that people stay with you, like, you know, I've been reading about stay interviews, which I think is an excellent idea to really learn what is it that somebody appreciates, enjoys about his or her job, and why would they like to stay? Or by contrast, what would make them decide it is time to leave? And I think it is, to some extent, becoming more authentic. And like, you know, maybe honest might be the word, because it doesn't help to pretend. And then the next step is the exit interview. I think as a employer, one is much better off realizing and learning what is it that I, as a manager, could change to ensure that my employee is still going to be there next year, rather than, you know, putting the the head in the sand. And the next step is the exit interview. Yeah, um, I learned something today, the term stay interview. Yeah, there should be really more of that. I agree. Yes. You know, and I think it. the other thing that you mentioned, you know, in the past, being a manager had been much more maybe from an authoritarian point of view. I'm the person, the boss who says this needs to be done. And I feel that the pandemic has really transformed that role to becoming much more of a coach, being more, you know, as you said, like focused on ensuring from a mental health perspective, the employee is fine. And as you know, I like flexible work, you know, seeing is the current setting in the current situation with maybe homeschooling, with caregiving, realistic, or does the employee need to, you know, I don't know, have a compressed work week or things like this, but ultimately finding individual solutions to ensure that the employee is able to, um, you know, continue. Yes, Karen, definitely. Uh, we need managers who can empathize, empathize who, are, who know uh, how to provide the care. And guess who can do that best? Mothers. <laughs> And children, transferable skills. <laughs> yeah, I would say any caregiver, I think, day in, day out, has that opportunity to practice every day anew. And I think to self-reflect. That is, I think, one big issue that, honestly, it has made me a better manager. It has made me, a, you know, raise my self-awareness by dealing with uh, children. Yes. You are the president of Squist, um, Christine. And so what I would like to understand is um, there are a lot of employers who are trying to find more female employees for tech jobs. So do you have any advice for them? How can they increase that number? That's a great question, Karen. Uh, We at Squist have existed for 40 years now. We just celebrated our anniversary, 40th anniversary last year, and uh, have a long history of advocating for dismantling the barriers that women and girls in STEM face. 
there is such an imbalance in the number of uh, women and men in the tech industry. So advice to employers, one is to audit your organizational culture. How supportive are you with your uh, women, you, with your employees who happen to be women? Um, very simple um, checks, for example, uh, in meetings, who does most of the talking? The men? And are women kept silent? Or if a woman pipes up with a great idea, is it just brushed off and taken on by another man and without acknowledging I know where it came from, whether it was first an idea that was brought up by your woman employee. Um, also, uh, who does the decision making in, in the small meetings? Uh, recently, I was in a situation where um, it was just the men who were really actively talking um, about and deciding about uh, the programs that we were running without even realizing that the women were not given the chance to pipe in or um, ideas were just brushed aside. And then later on, we just noticed that, oh, um, these ideas were implemented. And because the implementation by, were done by you know, the men, then they get the credit. So these little things uh, uh, employers uh, should do on organizational audit. And then um, second is that um, it just boils down again to the patriarchal notion that child care is the responsibility of women. So two things about this. Uh, what kind of support do you give to your male employees so that they are able to fulfill their responsibilities as fathers, as involved fathers? Do you also give them time or do you expect them to be working all the time because you're a startup? that they have to be working 12, 14, 18 hours, or do you support them so that they can be fathers who are present in the lives of their children as well, so that childcare does not just um, fall on the shoulders of women. Um, and also on that note, do you, how do you support uh, women? How do you support mothers in terms of childcare? Um, are you looking into providing on-site childcare? Oh, that would be a dream. <laughs> or do you even uh, have, has your HR thought of partnering with other organizations that provide childcare near your, your office? Um, I think that there was one um, novel idea during the pandemic. I, I just completely forgot the name of the company. It's based in Vancouver, uh, where, a group of women actually offered virtual child minding and uh, their target were uh, companies. So I just have to, we just have to come up with this. I just have to remember the name of this company. And so uh, companies, uh, employers could look into those kinds of arrangements for child care and help provide them um, to not only the women, but also to the men uh, who, who are parents. And um, what I really am um, pushing for, advocating for, ever since Empower.mom um, came about, yes, was uh, returnships. Returnships are already common in the United States, but we have very few in Canada. Or do we even have? There are some, but the majority of them are in the Toronto area. 
Bay Street and the financial district, there are return ships, for example, and then I'm aware of some smaller um, companies within the Toronto area that are offering um, return ships. But you're absolutely right. Um, thanks to Carol Fishman Cohen's IV launch in the US, there you know, has been many, many years of return ships as well as in the UK, thanks to women returners. Um, yes, so that to me sounds like an excellent project or idea because I feel often a returnship provides an opportunity for both parties, the employers as well as the potential employees to get to know each other. Yeah, so one, one tech uh, program, one company that I can remember that has offered a tech returnship is Microsoft. I think they called it Leap. Uh, it came from uh, Washington. Uh, state and then they moved they they offered it in Vancouver for a very limited time I think it was 27 or 2018 and I never heard about it again and I guess let's take this opportunity this pandemic post-pandemic to look into returnships and um, Microsoft can spearhead, spearhead it again um, we have a uh, like increasing number of um, companies in tech companies in Vancouver. I can think of Slack, Grammarly. Um, yeah. So uh, I challenge you, Cleo, Thinkific, Unbounce. Uh, how about thinking about um, uh, a returnship program? And the power of that mom can partner with you to have this implemented. I think that sounds like a wonderful idea. Yes. I mean, you know, the more opportunities there are, for returning professionals to, you know, find work that matches their potential, their previous experience and, you know, education, that would be just wonderful. Yes. You know, thank you so much, um, Christine, for giving us a perspective of the SQUIST um, program and um, how you are helping to support to have more women in tech. Now, what I'm interested in, you know, are you aware of any society for Canadian men in, say, education and care professions? I, I have not come across them. So I'm, you know, maybe it exists, but I'm curious what needs to be done to have a, you know, increase for men in more care professions to enable a more balanced approach for care work across all genders? That's a great question. So no, I am not aware of any um, professional organization that just um, advocates for men, probably because all the other organizations that are open to men and women already by default <laughs> are designed for mostly for men by men. And so uh, that gives the women impetus to ensure they have, uh, you know, they form their own organizations advocating for women's causes um, and designed for, uh, for our needs. This has been such a fascinating conversation with you, learning more what is already out there for Canadian, um, you know, professionals who would like to return back to paid work and what ideas you have to encourage more employers to hire returning professionals. So I want to make sure, is there anything else today that you would like to share with our audience that we have not covered yet? Yes, Karen, for women going to back to work, I would like to say, focus on your why before even launching that career search or that job search, focus on your why. Why do you want to work? 
what is your end goal? Is it money? Is it fulfillment? Is it for your kids? And then based on your why, come up with your plan and your goals and your strategy. And also, I think it's very important, do not compare yourself to others. You, have a, you are unique and you have a unique, unique journey. And accept the circumstances that you find yourself in. There's no point in crying over spilled milk because I know some women say, oh, you know what? I just lost 10 years of my life. No, you did not lose 10 years of your life. You actually gained more than what you think you lost. Um, and I think lastly, make that first step. Make that first step. And I just remembered. And finally, do not do it alone. Find another person. Find a community. If you can't find a community of support, then build that community of support and bring in other women in your journey. And um, one question I like to ask my guests is, do you have a particular book that has inspired you or that you would like to share with our audience? My favorite book, which has been my favorite for a couple of years now, is actually your favorite book. <laughs> Yeah, back on the career track by the woman who originally thought of um, addressing uh, mothers going back to work and relaunching careers, Karen Fishman-Cohen, and she co-wrote it with Vivian Stair-Rabin. And what I got from this is one, create your own relaunch circle because finding a job, relaunching careers is not really a one-person um activity that you get more success if you have other people cheering you on and uh, find a relaunch buddy, somebody who will be, you will be accountable to with your plans and who will help you execute your strategy. And as I mentioned again, earlier during my uh, interview, if you can't find the community, build that community. This is such a wonderful ending of our conversation. So now how can people find you, Christine? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Christine Carino. And I my happy space, non-professional, is on Instagram, also Christine Carino. And I tweet some political stuff on Twitter, again, Christine Carino. Thank you so much. And I so appreciated having you today as my guest and learning more about your own journey and how you are supporting professionals who would like to return back to paid work. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Karen. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye!